You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Hey, everyone. I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. books i thought i'd take some light reading in case i got bored hello and welcome to tfm's local books and comic show here for star trek and uh, i am just one of the hosts here matthew rushing and i am so excited to be with the one and only casey pettit hello how are you doing man (laughs) yeah i don't have anything i'm i'm ready to move on to more star trek books and uh yeah i've been reading like crazy though reading game nice. of thrones now <laughs> so, Ooh, okay excellent yeah. um, expanding my horizons outside of star trek for once. where uh where are you in the series uh, like just about to finish the first book okay okay uh it's funny because you're you're starting the first book in that series and i am on the penultimate book of the expanse series mm now so i'm wrapping that series up because uh they finally released the paperback version of the last book and i had all the other paperbacks so i was just Mm. waiting uh and then i'll be able to go see how they wrapped up the amazon version of that so that'll be fun but uh, we're not here to talk about all those other books (laughs) uh we're here to talk about star trek books and comics and before we do that of course we just thank you uh for listening we really appreciate everybody uh enjoying literary tracks and if uh you are uh you know consider give us a star rating review on apple podcasts and uh it's been a very long time i think it's been almost three years since we've had anybody review us over there and so it'd be great to get some new reviews help people continue to find the show it's uh it's a lot of fun though as we've been digging into Star Trek books and and comics here and of course you can find us wherever you get your podcasts and you want to make sure you are subscribed so you get the shows as soon as they drop uh you can also find us on social media at Trek FM on Twitter or on Instagram at Trek FM or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Trek FM you can also find a listeners-only discussion group called the Babel Conference, which allows you to talk to listeners from all over the world there on Facebook. Uh, you can just join that by typing Babel into the search field, and you'll find us. We can let you in, and you can talk to everyone. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and, of course, uh, you can uh, also find us online at Trek.fm and all that we're doing there. We would really appreciate, though, if you would go over to Patreon and support the network, uh, just like Casey Pettit or Greg Rosier, who are associate producers here on Literary Tracks. They make sure that not only this show, but the content around the network keeps coming to you. And it's a lot of money to put all this together, and so we need your help. So go over to patreon.com slash trekfm and become part of our team. So Casey... As has become the custom now on Literary Tracks, I feel like every time we record, we have 
a lot of comics to talk about because we've had so many series running at the same time. And before we dive into the actual three comics that we have to talk about, there is going to be a short run series that's going to be coming out here. Uh, It looks like uh, in April, uh, starting with the first issue, Deep Space Nine, The Dog of War, it's going to be taking place during uh it looks to be uh the sixth season possibly here of deep space nine and uh this i think it's gonna be three issues it looks like as well as i'm looking on the idw site so that will be kind of fun um but this is gonna be interesting because uh, apparently there's a borg component discovered by the crew set to uncover cardassian technology after the station's reoccupation All right, so it's basically supposed to be a lost episode of that season. Uh, So between five and six there when the the station was occupied by the Cardassians again. So, oh my gosh, uh, I love the idea of being back in uh, Deep Space Nine. Um, I find it interesting that there is a Corgi on the cover. Uh, So that is fascinating to me. I wonder how that plays in, but uh, you know, any any uh, reason to get back to Star Trek: Deep Space Nine in that time period, I'm pretty good with. Yes, same here. And you know, it's got some cool alternate covers too. One of them's got kind of uh, you know blueprint schematic kind of things of uh, Deep Space Nine, and then yeah, just the the normal cover, like you said, with the corgi on the front, which looks very interesting. But the artwork, even just on the cover, looks pretty good. So yeah, I mean. Obviously, we'll be uh, taking a look at these when they come out and uh, giving our honest opinion about a dog on Deep Space Nine. Yes. I mean, who knew that we were going to, you know, get a dog on Deep Space Nine? But um, so with that, Casey, uh, we dive right into Resurgence 5. This is the final issue of this leading into the video game. And I was wondering how you felt like this series ended wrapping up because you know i I feel like we've really been high on praise for resurgence so do you feel like it really landed the starship here (laughs) yeah i mean we knew this whole time that this this series was leading into a game and so you know it's kind of hard not to think about it about that as you're seeing some of the scenes that play out in here but the way that the comic ends especially i mean the the whole issue here is is very dramatic and action-packed and everything um but with it's not so much a cliffhanger as just i i would say an unexpected ending to the comic um with you know the crew that we end it with at the end of the book and or the end of the comic and it I'm still left very eager to see this game and um, hopefully to be able to play it someday because I'd, I'd like to see where they take the story in the game from here mm-hmm. because it was a good comic and I wouldn't mind seeing more with some of these people. Yeah, I mean, one of the big things here is the way that uh, we wrap this up. We end up having this brand new warp drive uh, that Leah Brahms has been working on seemingly not be able to sustain itself and um but it also leads to the death of one of the main characters we've been following uh in the series sutherland and we also then and because of that as well 
everybody ends up with basically a pardon for their their part in this. Leah Brahms is put back to work. She's never to speak of this again. Uh, you know, the captain of the Resolute is given the Resolute back, told never to speak of this again. And so w- there's this mystery, I feel like, that is kind of leading into the game now. But, uh, you know, this did feel like a good Star Trek story set in this time period. And I liked it, um, you know, and whether or not I ever play the game, to me, this was a good way of telling a Star Trek comic story that had a, a nice arc, you know, start to finish. And I thought it was uh, well done. And I really ended up enjoying the series, which, you know, it's it. I felt like it's kind of just been a long time since uh, one of the series really captured my attention and, and had me from start to finish. Yeah, I agree. Like the the characters are well fleshed out. We get characters that we recognize that we get a little bit of more time with. And, you know, overall, just, you know, the game aside, the, the artwork was consistent throughout. It was pretty decent artwork. Um, and like you said, the story was good. It was a good Star Trek story. It had, it, it was, as, as I was reading the ending where everyone's kind of almost getting off scot-free, you know, like they're kind of getting a slap on the wrist. Part of me was like, uh, you know, why does everybody always get away with <laughs> with everything in Starfleet? You know, um, but at, at the same time, that's kind of how it works, and we want to see this crew continue. So, I didn't I didn't have too much of a problem with. But yeah, I um, I I think I, I think if 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 you like comic books and you like Star Trek comics, you know, this is a new crew, a new ship, but it's definitely worth the read, whether or not you're going to be playing the game. Mm-hmm. I'd say pick these ones up for sure. Yeah. Uh, no, I couldn't agree with you more. So uh, it was great to be able to wrap up this series. And, it, you know, like you, I am intrigued about the idea of this game. And so if the game itself got good reviews, it might be something that I would possibly pick up uh, to see what it's like. You know, I loved playing Elite Force back in the day. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, yeah. I think that's really fun. Uh, so Star Trek V continues our ongoing series now, uh, our current Star Trek legacy series, wink, wink. Uh, and so this one was crazy. I mean, the, the only way I know how to explain what happened in this in this issue is that it was BS crazy. Yeah, there's... So, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to say it either. It's there's so much that happens in this, um, and it was it was exciting to see. And then like, it's just another good action packed story, continuing what we've seen in the previous issues, but also uh, maybe pre- pre- presenting a nice jumping off point for I don't know a spinoff. And you know yes. we get. We get Worf uh, encountering Alexander, who's following this, um, I guess, Kaless, the the Kaless clone on on his ship, and crazy Kaless, crazy Kaless, <laughs> and you know, Worf is worried about him for once, and um, he doesn't. It's it's nice seeing this tension between Worf and Cisco, who served together for a long time, and. You know, Cisco is like, we've got to go, we've, you know, destroy these ships, we've got to go 
you know, stop Kalos from doing this. And Worf is kind of telling him, like, hang on, my son's over there. And, uh, you know, wants to save him, essentially, which is mm-hmm. a little bit of a different Worf than we've seen before. So, you know, as far as even remembering who Alexander was or something, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it was definitely fun to see that. And then, like I said, the, the action in this is, um, really good. And then to get to that last page and see to be concluded, me, which tells me that we're going to have one more, one more issue in this ongoing series. And then maybe we'll move on to another story with Cisco and his crew. Mm hmm. Yeah, I re- if I remember correctly, too, we're getting uh, the the Day of Blood crossover, and mm. so I think that's going to start that arc um, that's going to be going back and forth between Star Trek and the Defiant uh, series that's happening now as well. So I think that's where that's going to come in. Um, but no, I, I 100% agree with you. I mean, this is just an incredibly interesting issue I really loved, you know, Cisco struggling with uh, the choice between what the prophets are telling him and, you know, the desire of Worf, you know, to have his son protected. And, you know, I think it was really great because in classic Star Trek fashion, Worf is able to find a different way of handling this, which was very cool and gets them what they want. Um, but it also leads to this schism between Worf and, you know, Captain Sisko. And so I loved all that. And I, I thought it was, in, in many ways, a very organic way of getting Worf on the Defiant. And so then we end up with two comics that are running parallel, telling different parts of this story. And I think what it, it does is it allows, you know, Worf to be able to, you know, really... Uh, track down Kalis, and then it allows Cisco to be able to continue on a different thread. And so that was excellent, which I think leads us right into uh, Star Trek Defiant, which picks up Worf's story as he leaves the Theseus and how he gets this, you know, ragtag crew of his own uh, with the Defiant. And I thought I thought that this was a you know a smart way to tell the story and also very enjoyable the fact that you know he runs into Ambassador Spock and then you know we pick up Balana and then we just get, you know we really kind of hit the ground running with him uh trying to recruit the right crew that he needs uh and um you know get on this mission of how he's going to be able to track Kalis. Yeah, it's it it really is a good you know a good continuation of the of star trek number 5 or star trek ongoing really and you and I were talking before we jumped on mic here on the other side of the page um about uh you know they should have put something at the beginning of each of the comics saying hey make sure you read star trek number 5 first before you read defiant um they they give you little clues throughout the first Defiant issue, so if you're really not interested in reading the ongoing series, that's okay. But, you know, this one is really just captivating from the start. Um, you know why Worf is doing what he's doing, and then, you know, seeing Spock come in and Balana, and then we get Roe at the very end um, as, they're, as he's kind of starting to round out his crew. Um, you know, and then the kind of I don't know if it's a revelation or not that, you know, 
we've got lore, you know, his head at the end there since he's on the cover. Um, but, you know, it's just a really cool way seeing how Worf is going about picking out his crew. He's stealing the Defiant. So I can only hear that music, you know, the stealing the Enterprise music going on in my head. But, um, you know, kind of showing this is going to be a different kind of Star Trek story with kind of almost like a black ops mission. I mean, they're not even wearing Starfleet uniforms in this. They're literally stealing a ship. So it's going to be really... Really interesting to see where they take these characters and and how they weave it kind of in and out of the ongoing story and and what other characters they're going to bring in. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, I think, you know, again, both of these are kind of over the top and outlandish comics, which I think is perfect for a comic series. And so this is, to me, a great start for uh, Star Trek Defiant. And it, like you said, it really does make me want to continue diving into this series and see where they're going to go. And so all in all, to me, you know, comics have just been, I think, top notch uh, over the last few months. And I I don't know if there has really been a time where I've been more excited to be getting these issues month in and month out. Yeah. Agreed. Like I've never been a much of a comic reader, but as we've been getting these, I just want more. And, you know, I think next time we're getting another issue of uh, the Strange New Worlds comic series, the Illyrian Enigma. And so that'll be really fun to get back to that one as well. I mean, it's just it's nice having comics that we're excited to get into and, and see what's happening next. You know, there's things that they can do in the comics that, you know, they can tell shorter stories, but also longer stories. And we get the visual that we don't get from the the novels either. And so we can get to see some of the aliens and everything. So it's really kind of a fun time for comic books right now. And I'm, you know, really looking forward to see what IDW gives us next. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Casey, that is all of the comics that we have this week, but we are diving back into Star Trek Voyager. So I don't know, maybe we should ghost dance our way into the feature. All right, Casey. So we are picking right up where we left off with the first book in the Dark Matter series. And we we kind of end up with a few different storylines running throughout. And Last time we left off, Paris and Chakotay had just jumped through a portal to an alien world, and we find out that that alien world that they landed on is the same planet that Hala is from, who is now with the Voyager crew. And her planet is made up of actually two different casts. Uh, you have the Alan cask, and they are uh, people on this planet who have completely rejected basically what's natural. They're all into science and technology to the extreme. They like they don't have music or art. They don't eat anything that's non-replicated. Uh, and then you have the Kolaan, and they are basically what we uh, are considered primitives. You know, they're completely of the land. They have art, they have music, and they live by what the Alalan consider superstition. 
Uh, in fact, they even kind of sacrifice their children who are not born perfect to what they consider their their uh, gods, the crafters, kind of much like the ancient Spartans. So first, I just kind of wanted to ask you how you felt about this part of the story, uh, because it does take up, you know, a good third of the the time that we are in this book. Yeah, this was really interesting. I'm glad we kind of started off with this story and also just that we spent so much time here because, you know, in the last book, Chakotay kind of grabs the wounded Paris and then just go through the door. And like, even in this one, Chakotay says he doesn't even know why he did it. He doesn't, he didn't have time to explain it. He just knew that that's what he had to do. Um, And, and he really like, once we start to get to know these cultures, um, especially the, the Kululan, uh, who are the more primitive ones, um, or the, the more spiritual, I guess, or, you know, they live off the land and the art and music and everything. It's kind of, it kind of is, um, you know, right in Chakotay's wheelhouse, I guess, you know, he, and I feel like with this story, having these two completely opposite ends of the spectrum, uh, casts on this planet, um, really kind of shines light on, especially Chakotay as a character. I feel like like he kind of he he's kind of the embodiment of both cultures. I guess he's a very spiritual person, but he also embraces the technology and the science, and um, he's trying to learn about the Kula Land and their belief structure and and how their how their world works really. All the while knowing that they mm-hmm. need to go over to the Alulan and, uh, you know, to be able to try to figure out how to get back home because you know, obviously they, they need to at some point. So, but like the, the, the kind of world building or the, the culture, I felt like we're actually, although I don't know that they'd coexist so well on the same planet, like they, they were pretty well developed, I thought, and, and really interesting in their own right. And, um, I found it interesting reading those parts of the story just to to learn more about these aliens and still kind of wondering what's going to happen with them. I mean, like we're we're spending a lot of time with them and learning about them. Where do we go from here in the next book? You know, with with these cultures and and coming together, especially now that Chakotay is kind of a bridge for these two cultures, and um, you know, how can he kind of help them? learn to coexist with with each other maybe a little bit better than they have in the past. Yeah, I mean this was something that I was I was really I was interested in this part of the story mainly because you have both of these sides of the coin, right? There are there are people who have become more advanced and there are people who have stayed kind of in their more primitive form. And in many ways, they just reject out of hand everything the other group does as 100% evil, as if there's nothing neutral about what the other group does. Um, You know, whether it's, you know, the idea of rejecting music and art or eating non-replicated food. Uh, and, and, And then they treat each other with broad brushstrokes, you know, they, they, they think 
the worst of these people, you know, even though there's good and bad to both sides. And that's something that I just wish that what it feels like there needs to be more explanation of that. And maybe it'll come to fruition in the third book, possibly. Um, But I guess a big part of me was kind of left wondering exactly why this and and I think I'm going to say that a lot during this review but so much of this and I know this is the middle book of a trilogy but this part of the story specifically just left me scratching my head as to why it's important at all and there seemed to be no uh, indication as to why it is um other than the fact that Hala is from this planet. And I and 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 I I don't know. I just it, it, I was just very perplexed. <laughs> yeah, for as much time as we spent with the this culture on this planet with with Paris and Chakotay, it, it didn't really do anything to advance the dark matter story that we've been learning about or that we've been reading about. And um, I, I have to hope that it's going to, that the dark matter is going to come into play somewhere here. I mean, they've, they've built this whole thing about how their, their DNA is practically backwards from ours. Right. And so almost to say like that this is kind of almost like an opposite universe or something that they're in. And, um, you know, the, with the shepherds and their technology and, and the, the fact that that was essentially how Kala came to, you know, to our universe, I guess. And then how Chakotay and them and Paris ended up at the other one. Um, I presume that the shepherds are going to come into play here somewhere. Um, we might even learn that um, that they're part of this Alilon, like the technology-loving race mm-hmm. on this planet. But um, if that's the case, they're burying the lead pretty good here. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I can, I can only hope in the next book we actually get a satisfactory answer to what's going on here. Well, it, I guess the only connection that I could make really was that maybe the dark matter had been infecting the way in which these people feel about one another, and that's why it's so stark. Uh, and 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 then I think the strangest thing is that Chakotay realizes he needs to find the Alalan, and ends up getting picked up by them, the same people who it's actually the brother of. Hala, and he's the one who goes and picks up the children when they're left at this sacred mountain, um, you know, because they're not born perfect, basically. Mm-hmm. And there's been one of the members of this this village who looks like they've committed suicide, but Paris realizes it's actually murder with what looks like a phaser wound. And I'm like, what in the world does this have to do with like, how does this connect? And I, I guess the, the the frustration is, is that I'm not really giving any clear indication in this middle book as to why this matters, which 
even in the middle part of a trilogy, you want to feel that the story is connecting with the rest of the whole. So you're not left with the thoughts that I'm having, which is what the heck. It'd be nice to still have a beginning, middle, and end, even in the middle mm-hmm. book, to have exactly it, its own story, like this ghost dance. The name of the book is Ghost Dance, mm-hmm. and you know that's something Chakotay witnesses the uh, the Kululan doing, and he recognizes it as like an ancient, and, and it goes through this long, you know, kind of um, explanation of what the ghost dance, you know, was on Earth. And I still, now as I'm talking about it, I'm like, I don't know what that actually had to do with anything except to to have a good name for the book. And it's a good name right. for a book. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where it, where, yeah. where it was taking us. I, I know. I don't really either. Um, so, I mean, maybe it connects to something else that happens in the book, which I guess I, I, since I'm going to bring it up, we'll talk about it. But the entity... Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's the connection is that the entity is the answer to the prayers uh, you know that the, the the ghost dance was connected to Native Americans on our world and their prayers for retribution and salvation basically from their oppressors and maybe the entity is the answer to that prayer um, the entity who is apparently the most single powerful being in this or any universe uh and has been given a quest by the this thing called the presence to rid the galaxy of mutated dark matter as well uh this may be another place where i was left scratching my head with the phrase what the heck yeah that's every in, every time an interlude came up i was hoping for a little bit more and i <laughs> i even wrote down that um it was starting to feel like the interludes were really just a way for the author to add Easter eggs into the story because the story didn't really lend itself to, um, you know, kind of, I mean, the only Easter eggs, I guess, that we had in, in the Voyager story was really that Telegramore has shown up, but it's not really an Easter egg. He's just a character mm-hmm. that, that showed up again. But this entity in in the interludes is going around, it's... Uh, encountering the Kazon Nistrum. It's even encountering Maj Kola and helping him to, um, uh, I don't know, get to know his son or something, even if it doesn't last, you know, the entity wants to witness this, but then it's, you know, going around to other planets that Voyager has been to, you know, throughout the Delta Quadrant. It just seemed kind of random, I guess, mm-hmm. that, um, that we were seeing it, I was like, is it's probably not Q. They brought up Q enough in the book that, you know, that's, this isn't him. Obviously the only other thing I can think of is this Wesley Crusher. Is this a traveler or something? It's, and I really hope not, but I, I I don't know. All I know is, yeah, we've got this entity do doing the same thing that Voyager's doing, trying to clean up the dark matter, the mutated dark matter. So it, maybe increase the page count a few pages Mm -hmm. yeah it felt like this entity i don't know it just felt like a bad trip um you know and i I mean uh the uh hallucinogenic kind of trip um (laughs) and so i just couldn't really figure out exactly what was going on and and again 
It was one of those things like, and I think you really pinpointed this very well, which is that you do want each part of the trilogy to kind of have some kind of resolution to itself, but also feel like you are truly connected to what happened in the first book. And because the entity wasn't introduced in the first book at all, you are not necessarily understanding, okay, so they're also given this mission to rid the galaxy of mutated dark matter by something that we have no idea what it is, the presence, okay, I, all of these things are so vague as descriptions, I'm very, again, the word I come up with is perplexed as to how this really connects. And so at least we got, with the Romulan story, uh, with Jekri and the Romulans, that Leah Yu, uh, who is of the shepherds and we know to be a bad shepherd, uh, is actually now seduced the Empress and is out for anybody who would stand in his way. And because, you know, the leader of Tal Shiar, Jackery, realizes this, um, she actually goes to some Vulcans uh, for some, to learn some mental discipline so she's not giving herself away so easily. Uh, and she's end up, she ends up being betrayed by Varric, the one she was sleeping with uh, at the end of the last book, uh, who she thought was on her side. And at least this part of the story made sense and connected very well with where we had been in the previous book and kind of upped the Leo Yu villain quotient. Like, you know, he's he's getting worse. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely thought that this was probably the best part of the book, honestly. Like, it was interesting um and, and yeah exactly like leah you is now like he he wasn't actually even in the book much it's just the fact that he was even there and um kind of just kind of right there on the empress's elbow practically like kind of almost the puppet mm-hmm. master and you know with jeckery trying to you know, her quest was to to really kind of find out the truth of, well, she still wants to to get Voyager right. and, you know, attack the Federation, but she's also trying to figure out what happened to all of their warbirds. She's essentially being blamed for it, um, but she knows that it's really bigger than that. And maybe it's, mm-hmm. you know, the shepherd or, you know, whatever, but, you know, she's actually being prevented from doing her job and is, you know, the, the kind of, um, I don't know, just the, you know, she's the perfect character for this, like as the, the leader of the Tel Shiar, because she's already a spy and she's kind of almost on this internal spy mission, but she's also being kind of starting to get left out of everything. The Empress is basically turned against her because of Leah Yu and, you know, she's just getting more and more frustrated. And, you know, as a reader, I was too, because, you know, like she's constantly behind. And I thought it was just so interesting that she would go to the Vulcans and, and get some help and and try to to learn some of their ways, even to the point where she was like, I want to learn how to do the Vulcan neck pin- or the nerve pinch, which she, right. you know, does, does learn how to do. And, um, 
I I had never really considered like why wouldn't more Romulans study some of the those techniques, mm-hmm. especially in the Tal Shiar. And so I thought that was a really interesting way to add to the story and just made it more interesting. And you know, this is the one part of the story that I'm really looking forward to seeing how it turns out because um you know at the end when she's getting betrayed by Varric, you know, like like no one could see that one coming because They've been planning together. They've been sleeping together. Mm-hmm. They've, you know, everything. And she even told him to his face, like, you are somebody I can trust because if you wanted me dead, you would have killed me a long time ago. And, you know, he's clearly playing the long game or he's now just under mm-hmm. whatever kind of mind control the Empress is, too. So, um, yeah, it's this was a, a very good continuation of the story that we started in the first book um this is kind of what i wished more of the book was Mm -hmm. yeah no i could not agree with you more and you know it's it 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 felt again too kind of very romulan uh to have her being blamed you know have all these games being played inside games and um you know i would just say i think and this is kind of the whole book in general. Unfortunately, this book is really not well written. And so nothing really comes across very well. I, I feel like a lot of the characters feel very juvenile in in the way that they're written. Um, you know, the the voices of the characters, especially the ones we know, is never feels right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a real frustration. And so I just, I wanted, I think every part of this book needs a, a good edit um, to create better dialogue, um, better framing for everything. And and this is definitely part of the story where I felt that as well. But this, like, like you said, I think is probably the most interesting part of the story because meanwhile on Voyager, um, they're trying to figure out how to use that. And they call this, and this is a quote from the book, that damn ball uh, that Tianan gave them. Uh, and, um, how they're supposed to cure dark matter from apparently the entire universe or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, and, and then they run into the species that they help, uh, the Kwasi. Uh, and I, I don't know what this just, I think the problem with this is that the story just feels like it's spinning its wheels. Mm-hmm. Well, and like, it's almost like the story got set up in the first book and they didn't know where to go from there. The reading that damn ball so many times through this was, I mean, it was fine the first time, but then the fact that they like legit called it that for, you know, for quite a while was it, it, it was less funny the more it went on. And, um, you know, I, I, I like the idea of this story and this mission that Voyager is, is going to go on as far as like trying to to capture and contain all this mutated dark matter it it is weird to me that the shepherds didn't give them more information and they're making everybody figure it out for themselves um Mm -hmm. but but they do which good because otherwise we couldn't go on with the story (laughs) um but yeah the stuff with the the kawasi um Man, I, I was getting frustrated, and and I've I, you know we've seen episodes of Voyager like this, or of any Star Trek show where the aliens that they're helping 
are very ungrateful and um, demanding and everything. But but this culture, I feel like, kind of takes the cake as far as um, wanting to put Telic Ramore on trial for his actions that led to all this dark matter coming into our universe, which, you know, you can kind of understand, but like, you know, whereas, you know, on the planet that Chakotay and Paris are on, we've got kind of this dichotomy of um, very right. technological and no technological. This one's like super litigious. And I'm almost wondering, like, are we going to find another part of the planet that is like absolutely forgiving, you know? And, um, and it's, it, it was getting frustrating at the end, and I know it's, it, you know, it was frustrating for Janeway and the crew, um, but it was a little too much, and it almost seemed just like a way to set up for whatever's going to happen in the next book with the crew. And I really don't even care about the Kowasi. I want to find out what's going to happen with the Dark Matter, and I, exactly. I, I'm worried that this is going to take away from that. Yeah. Well, because, too, like, so they take Janeway hostage and Telecromor is able to commune with the ball mm-hmm. and uh, gets a message that Leah Yu is even worse than we thought before, but we don't have any indication exactly why. Uh, and so it just creates this cliffhanger of a bump, 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 but it yeah. feels so trite and it feels so done. And, and, and there's, again, this... The story feels so disconnected from itself in many ways so that I don't really feel like we're building to anything. Um, And I I find that to be very frustrating. And so uh, I'm like you said, I'm I'm like, I don't. There's too much of the story, which I don't really care about. I do kind of just want to see how the dark matter is dealt with and, and finally eliminated. But. As per actually how that happens, uh, you know, I, I I don't really care. And I think that's the thing that this book is doing is that it's really leaving me in a place where I'm not really invested or interested in most of this story because the I don't feel like the book is doing a very good job of keeping me invested or helping build the tension and build the story so that that third book is the payoff for all the things that we've been building mm-hmm. uh, too much of this feels so unmoored from the rest of it that I don't really uh, yeah there there's really no good connection points it's either a blessing or a curse that these books are, are pretty short. Um, you know, like mm-hmm. it's, this was a very quick read, um, which was nice. Um, but you know, it, it, I feel like it says a lot about a book or, you know, for me, when the parts of the book that I find most interesting are not even with our main characters, you know, we read these books to, to get stories with our characters, with like our Voyager crew. Um, but I'm so not invested in what's going on on Voyager. I'm more invested in what's going on with Chakotay in Paris, but really it's the Romulan stories that I'm so, so interested in. And I feel mm-hmm. like they could have actually expanded to be a, a bigger part even of this whole story. But I, I have a feeling that once when these books were written, the main focus had to be on the main crew. Cause I mean, there's, there's been Star Trek books that focus a lot on, like people or crews or aliens that, you know, I've never even heard of before. And I don't really care mm-hmm. for those because I want to see my crew. And so it's disappointing in this one too, that 
I, I you know, I don't really care what's going on with, with the crew right. and, and Harry, you know, like he's poor Harry is just in love mm-hmm. again. And, you know, it's, it's not unrequited, but it's a little unreachable for him as it usually seems to be. It's just another case of, uh, yep. why, like, why'd they have to go there? Yeah, I found uh, this really frustrating. He, of course, he falls for the beautiful uh, visitor from the this other world, uh, Kahala, and she falls for him. Uh, but, you know, she doesn't like music, and she thinks it's evil, and she doesn't like to eat non-replicated food because she also finds that evil. So they're just at an impasse. Will they make it? Find out next time on, you know, Archie's <laughs> Comics. Um, it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a part of the story, um, but it is another place to which I have absolutely no interest, and I just, and this is not me being mean, but I just don't care. Like, yeah. it's, um, and I think part of it is because it feels so childish, mm. um, and the, I think the depth of the story and the idea that you're dealing with here of, you know, having an alien species that has these kind of issues there there's no depth at all uh to it and so i i am left in that place where it's like okay that's weird but i you know so i don't which know what is, else to say <laughs> yeah i don't either which i think is a good time to rate ghost dance so uh casey what will you rate this second book in the dark matters trilogy you know, I wanted to be super generous and give it like three and a half stars because, and I think it was because I enjoyed the deck, the, the Jekri and the Romulan story, but especially as we've talked about it more, I mean, I, I rated it as a three on Goodreads and I'll stand behind that, but it's, not, it's not the strongest three in the world. Um, I will say though that I'd really, I really, I think I did like this book a bit better than the first one. And I'm I'm hoping that improves. Like if I could give three stars to all three of these books, I'd be okay with that. But I am mm-hmm. dying to know what you uh, gave this one. Well, if uh, if if I was being as harsh as I wanted to be, I would give this book a one. Um, but I'm going to give this book a two, being generous. Um, but it, I think. We said it all in the sense of our frustrations as to why uh, this book just doesn't work. And I can't say that I liked it more than the first book. I think it's pretty on par with that. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's a little bit better. But I think this book actually might be worse for me because it feels more disconnected from itself and the story it's trying to tell with these elements that I just don't see what the connection points are. And, you know... I don't know. I I mean, like, I've been talking about media, books, comics, movies, television for a long time, and I'm not an idiot, I don't think, um, but I'm sure people will tell me I am on on social media because that's what that's for. Um, You know, and if I'm having an issue figuring out where the connection points are really supposed to come from, that's not a good thing. Um, and so, yeah, this book is a two for me. And maybe uh, the third book will redeem it. I don't know. Uh, but I'm, I'm interested. Next time we'll be diving into 
the uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine Rebels series, and we'll see what happens there. But uh, yeah, who knows? I'm glad we had some good comics this week because the book was a little bit uh, lackluster. But you know, I I don't I don't want to tell anybody else what to think. Because, you know, this could very well be somebody's favorite book. I'd be surprised that I would love for somebody to tell us in the Babel Conference uh, that this was their favorite book and why. But, um, you know, unfortunately, they can't all be winners. And, you know, yeah, I'm looking forward to next time. We'll get more comics and see what's going on on Deep Space Nine and go from there. And we'll eventually get back to the third book here and be done. Yeah, well, I'm I'm with you. I am excited to to be able to uh, see what happens, where we go, uh, you know, and uh, you know, we have a, a couple of other new books that will be coming out this year that we'll be get a chance to talk about. And but um, you know, I think um, some of our ideas have been Casey as well that to cover some of the books that we haven't covered. I think there were some some mere universe books we haven't mm-hmm. talked about. Um, there were some lost age books like a uh, buried age. We haven't talked about or never ending sacrifice, some hard covers, you know, Star Trek card covers used to be such a big deal. So we thought about yeah. maybe covering some of those as well. So there's a lot that we have in the hopper, even though we're not getting a ton of new books, but you know, one of the things we are actually also going to be able to talk about Casey, when they come out, we've got the art of Star Trek, Picard coming out from seasons one through three. So we'll discuss that. You know, we have the uh, making of Star Trek two, the Wrath of Khan coming out this year as well. So there are some things that are going to be happening new, might not necessarily be novels, but are going to be in books that we'll be able to cover. So I'm so excited for that as well. But, you know, Casey, uh, if people wanted to be able to talk to you and see what else you've got going on outside of literary tracks, where would they find you? Well, I'm probably most active right now on Goodreads and Letterboxd at Knitting Trekkie. I I doom scroll Twitter rarely anymore, and I really don't do much on Instagram. So I'll stop saying those. It's just really Goodreads and Letterboxd. And then also the Babel Conference. That's actually, you know, I'm, I'm still on Facebook. So yeah, definitely uh, find me there. Well, uh, you can also find me all over the place. Uh, the place I'm most active, uh, MattRushing02 on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, Vero. Uh, you can also find me, of course, here on the network. I've got the 602 Club, which is our general geek show. And we talk about all of those fandoms outside of Star Trek. Uh, and so we hope you'll join us there. It's a lot of fun. Uh Doing some other Star Trek shows, though. Uh, you can find me doing Warp 5 about Star Trek Enterprise. We're going through our 20th anniversary rewatch. Uh, we've got The Orb about our 30th anniversary rewatch of Deep Space Nine. We've got Saddle Up about Strange New Worlds, which we found out is going to be starting again in the summer in June. So excited to have that back. And The Artificial Tango, Star Trek Picard Season 3. Uh, We are continuing to talk through that, and you can't miss it over there, so we hope you will join us. But, as always, we just appreciate you joining us here on Literary Tracks. And until next time, live long and read on. You call that light reading? To each his own, number one.